Welcome to our podcast. We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. As a church, we're currently working through the book of Romans. If you would like to watch the live video from this episode, head over to vintagecitychurch.tv and we hope you enjoy this message. Isaiah 66, uh, verse 1 and verse 2 says this. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's a really interesting, kind of feels like a flex of <laughs> the Lord saying, like, hey, I, I built heaven and earth. What are you going to do better than that? And then he restates it, my hands did it all. And then I love this verse, verse two. But I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. It's a really interesting idea. The word tremble here in the Hebrew means to shake or quake. In Hebrew is a pictorial language, and in the Hebrew language, it carries this almost frenetic energy. It's the idea of something like being moved to action. Um, there's an author named John Bevere who does a lot of public speaking, and I listened to him teach on this passage once, and I loved the way he explained it. He, he, took, it up, he took the Hebrew and broke it apart and said, really, it's, 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 the, it's an idea of a tree that's neutral in a field where there's no wind, it's just calm. And then the wind comes and moves the tree into action. I'm like, oh, that's a really good picture. I love aspen trees. Anybody else like aspen trees? Until they grow up in your yard everywhere. And you're you know, walking barefoot and you step on one. You're like, oh, I loved it until then. It's the idea of, of being moved. And what he says here is, I will bless those. This word bless is awesome. It means I pour my favor towards. Or it really is the idea of these are the people that have, that have caught my attention and I work in their behalf. The ones who tremble at my word. Why is that so important? Because it carries this idea in the Hebrew that says there's something God is looking for. I would, I would go one step further and say there's something that he actually expects from his people. And that is a when he whispers, when he speaks, whether it comes through the text or whether it's his voice directly in the secret place, it moves us into action. There's another interesting part about this word because a neutral tree, I know it's a really odd term, neutral. How many, let's put it in driving terms. How many understand when your car's in neutral, it's not moving a direction, right? Foot on the brake in neutral, the car's not propelling one way or the other. But as soon as you put it in drive, it now has a lean, it has a propulsion. Could I suggest that being neutral before the Lord from a heart level means we have absolved ourselves of all of our leanings? We no longer have opinions that are driving us. We're now allowing what he says to drive us. How many of us have had moments in our life where we've caused great destruction because of our leans. 
And so he says, I'm looking for those who will tremble at my word. I'm looking for people who have this character, this condition of heart, that they'll just be calm and neutral before me so when I speak, they come to life. They move to action. I would suggest that is the posture that we are to live in as believers. Why is that so important? Because, because we, we so deeply believe our opinions matter. We so deeply believe our preferences matter. And I would love to remind us that when you gave your life to Jesus and you accepted his sacrifice for your life, at that moment you made a statement akin to this phrase that we just sang, all hail King Jesus. What you said in that moment is, for the rest of my days, your perspective what you want, how you say to live, what you say to be for, what you say to be against, that will now govern me. This is Paul's statement in Galatians. I'm crucified with Christ, yet I, I live. But this life I live now, I don't live according to the flesh. The flesh is me. It's, it's my leanings. It's my opinions. It's my desires. I don't live according to that now. Now I live every step of my life from the word of God. That is the deal. If you're like, I didn't know I signed up for that. Well, now you do. And if you're like, I don't know how I feel about that, you should talk to him. Pretty sure he's not going to change. I don't think you're going to get a pass where he's like, you know, you can live like you want. I don't really care. For you, I'll make an exception. Okay, so how does this connect to Romans 10? Because really, it's what what's Paul's talking about and. Charles Spurgeon, before I get there, Charles Spurgeon, who, if you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, he's one of the great orators, one of the great preachers uh, of, the, of the last 200 years. And he will, he will make a statement, and he'll say it this way, that there are three things that get in the way of a person's path towards God. Ignorance, self-will, and rebellion. That middle one is the concern. It's really the topic of interest today because self-will is really what Paul's going to reveal in, in Romans chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. We're going to read that, and then we're going to take a look at a couple different things. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is that the Jewish people might be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Instead, they are clinging to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They won't go along with God's way. Isn't that such an interesting phrase? They won't go along with God's way? What, would we, what, what other word could we sub in for not going along with God's way? Rebellion? Stubbornness? Sin? Anytime that you and I decide we know better than what we know the Lord has said, and when I say said, I mean what is revealed in the scripture, this is the revealed will of God, or what he's whispered to us, anytime we decide to go our own direction, what we are doing is refusing to go his direction. Pretty obvious, right? Okay, so Paul's talking about that here. He said, for Christ, he goes on, says, for Christ has accomplished the whole purpose of the law. And all who believe in him are made right with God. 
For Moses wrote that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But the way of getting right with God through faith says, you don't need to go to heaven to find Christ and bring him down to help you. And you don't need to go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Salvation comes from trusting Christ, which is the message we preach is already within easy reach. In fact, the scriptures will say it this way, the message is close at hand, it is on your lips and in your heart. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. And as the scriptures tell us, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. I don't want to skip past that, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed because it's such an incredible promise. I will stand in front of you today and say, if you decide to listen to what Jesus says and map your life out based upon the scriptures, you will not be sad about it. You won't be disappointed. He says it in Jeremiah chapter 29 to the the people of Israel. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Blessing, not cursing, a future and a hope. And yet in that midst of hearing that, prophetic voice after prophetic voice after prophetic voice that would come and tell them how the Messiah would come. Isaiah is, is, is loaded with, with images of what the Messiah was going to look like, what was going to happen to him. They had ample knowledge about what was going to happen. And yet what Paul's saying here is the Jewish people missed Jesus because they were too heavily focused on the way they wanted it to happen. Self-will self-rightness. Anyone ever met somebody who's very self-right? It's like their way of the highway. They're just not very good at making space. They don't deal well with the, I don't know, I could be wrong. If you have to nudge them, nudge them, it's fine. You see, Israel had been given multiple opportunities. They were told ahead of time, God had whispered to them, this is what I'm going to do. And their answer was no. We want to stick to the old system. We liked it better when there was a measurable thing. We liked it better when we could just follow the rules and go by a process. We don't want to have to believe and and trust in this invisible God. And Paul's statement here, why it's so important for us, is it comes down to this statement, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What Paul's dealing with here is lordship. He's saying the Jewish people did not want government and lordship over them. They wanted the code that they could just go look at and know what right was and what wrong was. And the answer of of God was, that is done already. I only gave you that law for a short season to promote in you a deep-seated sense that you need salvation. The whole goal of the law was not to save you. It was to actually show you that you couldn't be saved. It was to show you that you kept screwing it up. And I wanted to do that for you so that I could show you how kind I was and, and give my son and then say, look, you don't have to keep the rules anymore. You just have to believe in him, listen to his voice, and follow him. And yet when I gave you that, your answer was, we don't want that. Okay, so we want to, Paul's Paul's creating a juxtaposition here. He's talking to non-Jewish people in Rome. And he's talking about the Jewish people. Why would he be doing that? Because he's trying to help them understand that there's a thing wired in the human condition that we have to be very, very cautious with. We tend to want to dump the lordship of God. 
Lordship is really simple. It is living life under his authority. We've been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. We now belong to him. Because of that, it's not just about opinions and perspectives. It's about the way we handle the city around us. I don't get out of bed and decide I'm going to live for me. I get out of bed and decide I'm going to live for him. What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to impact? How do you want me to handle people? I don't get to react the way I want to react. At times, that's really hard. It's like, you know, anybody almost bit your tongue off lately? You have those moments where you're like, I don't have the privilege and the right to act how I want to act right now because you told me I can't. And I've chosen you instead. I've decided to put on this divine nature that you gave me. I decided to put on this image of Jesus. Do you want to know how you learn to be like Jesus? You practice. You practice Christianity. You practice Christ-likeness. You're like, it doesn't come natural. I know. (laughs) For no one does it come natural except him. The definition of lordship is putting on the nature of Jesus and making the choice to put a bullet in the head of our own nature and instead grab onto his. If you are waiting to want to act like him, you will never get there. The people around you might want that for you. (laughs) What Paul's dealing with here is this very clear, what we could call it self-righteousness, which we've just decided, I know better than him. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. That's what the Jews were doing. They rejected Jesus because their answer was, even though God had told them over and over and over again through the prophets, this was how it was going to happen. Their answer was, no, we we don't want that. And they missed him. Okay, that concerns me. It concerns me for us. That that same tendency to want to ignore the voice of God can cause us to miss him. Could I submit to you something simple? That any time we are unwilling to follow the voice of God, whether it's through the scriptures or what he says, we are setting ourselves up to miss him. To miss his purpose, to miss his plan, and to miss our own destiny. The life he has set aside for you is amazing. That's his promise in Jeremiah 29. I know what I have in store for you. It's his promise in Isaiah 66. I will bless those who do this. Lordship, being under the government of heaven. I love that Paul doesn't say, for if you decide what Jesus did on the cross is cool, and you really believe in God, you're going to be saved. No, what does he say? If you confess him as your Lord, if you make a declaration of your commitment to, that's my king, I do what he says. That's where salvation is found. The promise in this, the blessing in this, all the benefits of this, church, they come on the other side of this lordship decision. That's what Paul's dealing with here in Romans. It all begins with Jesus as Lord. He still has the same desire in our day and time as he did when Paul wrote this, and it is to be Lord. It's not because he's got an ego. It's because he understands this. 
He knows, the same God that said, I know the plans I have for you, is the one saying, you need me to be your Lord. Why? Because the only way you're going to get to the plans I have for you is if you trust me and follow me. And every moment you try to step out of it and do it on your own and make up your own go, you're going to fail. So get over yourself and decide to trust me. My concern is that we live so much in a generation and in a time where people just adore their own opinions, their own perspectives. And we've decided to begin to adopt life patterns, habits, perspectives, political stuff. And we've never ever run it through the grid of, hey, Lord, what do you have to say? How would you like me to respond? And it goes back to the same issue that Israel had. There's a deep love inside of humanity to be self-governed. But in the kingdom, we are governed by him. The only way lordship works is if you lay down your life and embrace his. But what if he takes all the things I want away? They were probably bad for you. I love the way Isaiah 66 starts because he essentially flexes and says, I made all this with my hands and you're going to tell me you know how to do your life better than I do? You're going to tell me you know how to do marriage better than I do? You're going to tell me you, you know how to map your own direction? You don't need my help? We are in a, a moment that's really fun all this fun transition that's happening around us. But for me, the fundamental thing that matters is are we governed by him? Because if what he can do with a group of people that are governed by him, that are really under his authority, he can shape a city. He can shape neighborhoods. He can shape a country. But it all begins with this government of heaven that we will sit ourselves under and say, I'm confessing you as Lord, you have control. You stand with me, please. There's a question I would love for you to be able to ask yourself this week. I think you need to get alone with the Lord and just ask. Have the courage. Are there any areas in my life where I've become blind to your voice, where I've ignored you, where you're not Lord. If you're like, I don't have to ask, I know where they are. Great, then repent. (laughs) But if we go back to Spurgeon's statement, ignorance, self-will, rebellion. Lord, are there any places that I just, I'm not, I'm missing, I don't see. Lord, are there any places where I'm just stubborn and I won't turn them over to you? Are there any places where I'm in full-blown rebellion? There's a statement in Samuel that says, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Which is rooted in the enemy. It's rooted in hell. My fear for it is you cannot be in these places and have him Lord. 
because he's so gracious and so kind, he'll whisper and speak. And if you're fully under his control, and you're like, I'm, I'm honoring his voice, then trust, if he speaks to it, fix it. If he doesn't, don't worry about it. That's what it means to be discipled by him. Your voice is leading me. Lord, we love you, we honor you. Lord, this statement, if we confess you as Lord, I pray that would ring in our hearts this week. And that we begin to one more time work out lordship. Are you in control? Do you have all of us? Lord, even as I say this, I'm reminded by John Wimber's statement that the deal is I get all of him, but he gets all of me. So Holy Spirit, we just give you freedom and give you room to consume all of us. And we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for your time with us. We would love to have you join us at a live gathering on Sunday. Our address is 1501 Academy Court, and it's just off of Prospect Road in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, please go to VintageCityChurch.com, and we'll see you next time.